hello and welcome to episode 166 of the 1099 for the week of September 17th, 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the host of NBA Desktop, half of the Binge Mode podcast, a writer at The Ringer and a former writer at Grantland, Jason Concepcion. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me back on, despite numerous <laughs> uh, hardware malfunctions. This is the well. This is the second official time you've been on the podcast because this one's going to go out. Cross my fingers and knock <laughs> yeah. on wood. But third appearance. We actually usually I avoid like I try not to say like oh we re-recorded this because then yeah. people are like man we're getting the second take. But in this case, in this it's going to be way better. Yes, it's going to be great. We've practiced it. We now know exactly what we're going to say, and we're probably going to go off script a little bit. Um, for the podcast today, what we're going to do is a fall games preview. And the way we did it on the last show and the way that we're going to continue to do it now is we're going to bring up certain games, mainly the big ones. It's mostly AAA stuff that's coming out uh, between now and the end of the year and go over something that we're really excited or anticipating about it, but also go over something that we're like, "Uh, I don't know. I'm a little worried that this might happen or that might happen. Um, And a lot of what I want to start with is going to surround Battle Royale games, because since we last talked oh, on man. the dead recording, um, Black Ops 4 has had a beta with the, um, with the what, what was it even called? What is the Blackout? Blackout, Blackout mode? Blackout. I've got to say, mode. Blackout. I, was, I was intrigued. Yes. I'll say, I'll say that. So here's the thing. and So we'll start with Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and a lot of... What I am both excited about and concerned about of this game has to do with the Battle Royale mode because there's no campaign anymore. It is this heavy focus on multiplayer, on zombies, and then Blackout, which seems to kind of have a combination of everything. Like there's randomly zombies and shit walking through there. Right. It's just whatever whatever kind of co-op thing has been uh, or co-op slash multiplayer slash whatever kind of fad has been popular over the last uh, five years. Let's just throw this in one mode and let's see what happens it is the ultimate just like poor it is the uh the long island iced tea of video game modes where it's just a little bit of everything in there and it's probably way too strong be like i guess i'll try it and so i guess what i'm excited for with this and what i'm hopeful for is we haven't seen this triple a version of what Mm -hmm. battle royale can be we've seen Fortnite, which has, of course, grown to be this AAA thing, to be the biggest goddamn game in the world. But that kind of started more as a scrappy game, as a game that wasn't gaining an audience and then kind of out of nowhere pushed out this mode that, for all intents and purposes, copied PUBG. But if we're talking about PUBG copies, (laughs) Black Ops 4... There were moments where I was watching it on Twitch and I actually thought, like, oh, someone's just playing PUBG in first-person mode. And had to like stop and do a double take and realize like, oh no, it's that's not what's happening at all. This game is just really going after the PUBG audience. But I, and I guess the question I would pose to you is, is that the right strategy? Instead of going for Fortnite or instead of really kind of making their own super unique thing, it looks like they're trying to take what's left of that big initial PUBG audience and make it their own. Do you think that can work? Uh, I do think that can work, and I. I think that there is, you know, there's a niche to be filled for people who want Battle Royale style gameplay, but don't want to have their opponents like start building fucking barns and skyscrapers and shit every time they shoot at them, who want a more (laughs) shooter centric experience. Um, 
a more realistic experience, for lack of a better term. And I think that PUBG's provided, but, you know, just due to various missteps on their own part and delays, um, and the fact that uh, Fortnite was able to come in with a free-to-play game um, has essentially had their, their thunder stolen from them. So I, I am intrigued. I watched, a, I watched a lot of streams, and I was intrigued. Uh, I, it's very interesting to see um, what the AAA take on a Battle Royale-style game is. If, it, are they actually um, innovating in any way? I don't think so, but it looked fun. I'm going to try it for sure. Yeah, I think you come to the point of, does it even matter if you innovate at this point, if it's fun and it's that thing that everyone loves to do, but with Call of Duty controls? And no matter how far maybe from like dominance Call of Duty has fallen, it's still, every time it comes out, it's still like the biggest selling thing. But it doesn't feel like the juggernaut it quite was back in like Modern Warfare 2 and 3 when those came out. It just felt like global events. But no matter what you think about that series, it still feels really good to play. And I... I forget that every once in a while when I skip a Call of Duty or two and suddenly I come back to it and I'm like, oh, wow, this is, it's like riding a bike. And if you combine that sort of comfort food shooter with this style of mode that it has a pretty clear king, like, no, I, I just don't see, and maybe I'll eat my words at some point, I don't see anything toppling Fortnite at this point. That just seems like the thing that you can't really do anything about. But if Call of Duty can take a, chunk of those those um those PUBG players and then still maintain its regular multiplayer base and then maintain that zombie base which if you've played zombies recently like that's become an entirely different thing it's that's, more yeah, of just like a, a yes that's its whole it's a other, weird other puzzle game right. with zombies in it where you're trying to like solve riddles yeah. and shit and it's it's not the same as anything else so it's almost satisfying now these three entirely different audiences all in one crazy package and are you do you feel less inclined to buy this game because it doesn't have a campaign no no i've I've never cared about call of duty campaign you know it's it's always been mildly interesting uh in the sense of um i i I guess just in in a wider cultural sense because you know guns are such a fraught subject in American life. So how do you build a story? How do you build a narrative story yeah. around characters that like gun down hundreds and thousands of fucking people, right? Um, and that's that is how uh when the yeah. campaign of any Call of Duty mode uh rises to uh you know national awareness, it's always because of how they deal with that, right? It's like the the fucking no Russian level. Or uh, that moment in Call of Duty Advanced when it was like you press X to mourn, you know, and you're standing at the graveside. <laughs> Pay respects. Right, paid respect, right? Uh, that it's, So it's that kind of thing. Uh, I'm, I've never particularly put much stock in, into Call of Duty um, campaigns. I, I will say that I, I agree that I don't foresee any game on the horizon trying to compete in the kind of battle royale space dethroning Fortnite. that said i also did not see Fortnite coming at all like i was did it is a shock to me still that yeah. this game is this like that it is this big it is one of the it has like it's up there with pac-man in, in terms of like cultural impact at this point like it's one of the biggest video game brands ever 
which is, sounds crazy to say that. Like the 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 cultural reach of this game is fucking shocking, and I had I did not see it. It's one of those things that because we're living in the moment, I don't think we really understand the magnitude of the scale of Fortnite. Like we could say it's we shocking. do all the time, but I think yeah. when you put it in the context of pac-man or this could have the brand recognition or greater than minecraft yes. or be like a mario style thing that people will this will define yes. childhoods and define junior high and like it, it it is at that stage and i don't think i'm like you i didn't see it coming but i, I also will double down and i don't see call of duty coming yeah, and no, doing no. that i think the only way it has a chance to reach numbers even remotely like that is if at some point they separate that blackout mode and make yeah. it its own free thing but then we get into the activision i don't i think ever sees call of duty as a free thing and once it becomes a free thing you can't really you know you can't put the toothpaste back in after that like it, it's it's kind of it gets that label uh but it'll just be really fascinating to see and in a similar vein talking about battlefield yeah. That'll be similar to see what they're doing with that because we've seen a uh -huh. little bit of their firestorm or whatever the hell it's called mode, but that's going to be similar where Call of Duty is trying to take that PUBG uh, audience. What is Battlefield doing? Because on a positive note, I feel like I haven't played a Battlefield game in a while. I'm ready for, I'll try a new campaign. I will try that setting. I'm, I'm okay returning to that. But uh, just in terms of like what I'm worried about is if, if Call of Duty is already starting to gain traction with streamers and with people who are maybe looking for an alternative to PUBG or an alternative to Fortnite, where does that leave Battlefield? Is it one of the situations where Call of Duty being out first with this beta and being in front of everyone is going to be really positive for them and a huge negative for Battlefield? Or maybe is Battlefield just actually doing something different enough that when theirs comes out, you're like, oh shit, this is an entirely new audience going for this. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, The main I, concern is what does that mode look like? I'm more concerned about the Battlefield uh, approach to this style of game simply because, um, you know, like Battlefield games don't really lend itself to that, to a Battle Royale kind of kind of gameplay i guess maybe like there's when you look at the, the success of fortnite uh it just combines shooting and looting in a way that is extremely satisfying you know like they're like uh, if there was a downside to PUBG, i think it was that the looting felt um prohibitive at times where you'd spend so much time finding backpacks and bandages and shit and then you just walk out a door and fucking get got by a guy who's like just you know hanging around a corner with a shotgun um and that happens in Fortnite, but it, it's for some reason looting felt a lot more uh there was there it felt like there was a point to it and it could extend your life in a way that was meaningful to uh the way you derived satisfaction from the game now um from watching the streams of Call of Duty, I think that the Twitch approach, the kind of Twitch shooting, extremely short TTK um, kind of gameplay can work with a certain segment of people who want to play that game style because then it's like, okay, you die, like, you die and you just go back. You just go start another one. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you didn't, it's, uh, you'd rather die right away than, than limp into, like, the top 15 of the game, right? So I guess that, 
So how does Battlefield differentiate itself from that? I, I honestly have no idea. I just can't see it. And and add into that that I've always felt like Battlefields. I like Battlefield games, but the controls are not as satisfying as, as Call of Duty games, where when you when you miss a shot, you shoot somebody, you kind of understand why they didn't die or why you died, what the outcome was. Not so much the case with Battlefield, which has kind of like, I would describe the controls as slightly floppier, as probably a trade-off just to the size of the maps. Um, so it's I, I, it'll be interesting to see how they make up for that, whereas, you know, Fortnite makes up for that kind of floppier controls with the building features and all these other things that you can do in the game before you even start shooting somebody. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, who's innovating in, in here? Nobody's Fortnite is innovating. I, I've yet to see that any of these uh, other claimants to this battle royal throne are, are really innovating in a way that's that's meaningful. So um, I am, you know, I'm looking askance at these, but I'm I'm still going to play them. I'm interested, but I don't. I'm ready to be disappointed. Yeah, it's all about nuance with these battle royale modes because I think you're right. Neither of them feel like they're innovating in this major way, and I think. Having vehicles in Battlefield will be cool. Like that could be a cool thing if suddenly there's just one dude in a tank and he's just going through and you're like, how do we do we have to like kind of team up even though this is kind of every man for himself situation? There's that side to it, but a lot of it is just you mentioned before the lack of building, and that's gonna be really appealing to some people. Some people are like, I'm sick of getting into a firefight and my actual gun skills, my my aim doesn't matter. It's just who's great at building. And removing that aspect, at least there's there's something to that, and of course that was never in PUBG, but that's also a, at the time, for a while, it was just a PC game, so it wasn't successful to people who might dislike building. So it's all kind of going to be, how do you make small alterations to this, it's it's weird to call it a well-worn formula, but it feels like it at this point, that, that it's going to be, how can you make those small wins that bring people over, but just in both cases... If, if you are looking at this as like a value deal, a lot of people look at games that way when they're getting them at the end of the year of you hear all the time like, oh, if it's not this number of hours, if this open world game is only 20 hours, I'm not wasting my money on it, which is insane. Um, but when you maybe some people will look at Battlefield versus Call of Duty and be like, look, these both have Battle Royale modes, these both have deep multiplayer modes, but this one has a campaign, this one doesn't. So you might still get some of that because people feel like they might just be getting three-fourths or half of a game with Call of Duty versus Battlefield that's actually going to give the big, crazy blockbuster campaign. But then, <laughs> then there's the other side of the people who are upset that there's women in it, so they might just be like, I don't even want to see the campaign. <laughs> Unfortunately, a, a loud voice in the gaming community. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so there might be, like, who knows if it's just loud, angry people yeah. on Reddit or if it's a reality that... Dice and EA will have to deal with where suddenly people are actually boycotting it because they're insane people and yeah. giant babies. But it's just going to be fun to watch these two go at it. But it kind of feels like the entire time looking over them like Shao Kahn is is suddenly just Fortnite. It was just like, nah, like you could keep fighting, but you're just fighting for my scraps. And yeah, there's I, a little bit of that going on. There's That is essentially what will happen. I mean, if you're playing essentially like the appeal of a Call of Duty blackout is do you like call of duty have you been missing out on this Fortnite craze do you want to try it that's essentially what it is so um 
I'm, I'm interested to see what what happens next. But again, it feels like Fortnite is is the brand that is really doing something new with the battle royale structure. Could you imagine what a Fortnite two would look like? Like, could that destroy every gaming community? Like, would that just be the end all be all? Nothing could be bigger than this. Like, well, it's like, how many more things can you do? I guess is the issue. They've been really smart with this, with the way they've um, uh, parceled out content over seasons. I think it's been really smart. Um, Just the different things they've adding, different events. I think that's been really, really, really smart, and that's a great way to extend the life of the game. Because I really do think like Fortnite is in, they're kind of like in uncharted territory at this point. Like it could, this could be a a behemoth that lasts the next five, eight years, or it could fall off tomorrow. Not tomorrow, but you know what I mean? Like we could not, there could be another game in a year that we're talking about. So it's it's, really interesting to see how they, how they, yeah, what what happens next in a Fortnite two? Is it a different mechanic? Is it simply more content? Is it uh, a different game modes? What is it? I, I'm fascinated to see what it is. It is something that it has to be incredible to be yeah. at Epic in this moment, but also, like you said, you're just kind of waiting for the floor to drop out. Right. Suddenly, it's just like, is this going to end tomorrow? How can this be happening at this scale? I, I know I um had a podcast set up with. I will not name the person, but someone who works at Epic, a uh, front-facing person, and he or she had to be like, look, I know we agree to this, but things are so crazy yeah. now that if I yeah. say something wrong or something yep. that you promise something that maybe the development team can back up, it becomes this massive story on every website. Yep. And it, there's a risk to that. And that's just living that way has to be nuts right now with everything going on. I mean, did you see Did you see that story? I think it was on The Verge. Maybe CNN reported it first and got picked up by other outlets. It's something like uh, uh, Fortnite has now been uh, referenced in 200 divorce proceedings or something. <laughs> it's so good. I just... Everything's that's a, great. That's another level. I mean, like, that's a level of cultural impact that is beyond 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 games that's the kind of thing where if you don't play Fortnite, you know what it is and you might even get some of the references from it you know you've got athletes are doing Fortnite uh emotes like when they score goals in the fucking premier league it's it's fucking wild it's wild i still can't believe it it always feels like it's like how did how did it happen happen i just i still don't get it I, I mean, still have play no idea how this happened. They'll be talking about this and actually studying like the economics of this game for a long fucking time. But uh, they did—they did free to play perfectly, perfectly. No bullshit with with like uh, yep. pay to win bullshit microtransactions. It's like they did it really, really in a very transparent way and are raking in money. Like it's absurd, absurd. If one of us becomes video game professors down the line, this is going to be one of like the main things we have to teach. This is going to be like a chunk of the semester. Is just it, let's talk about yes. Fortnite. It's, it's shot, like the economics alone are incredible, incredible. It's it's so crazy. All right, uh, I will pass it to you on this next one. Which game coming out between now and December? I guess now in January. Uh, do you want to tackle next? Uh, let's uh, Red Dead Redemption Two. It's like an obvious. This is an obvious one. Uh, Red 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 the first Red Red <laughs> the first Red Dead Redemption <laughs> is I don't know one of my top three games all time 
maybe my favorite game all the time. It's my favorite Rockstar game. You know, there's just moments in that game that um, kind of stay with you, which I think is really hard in an open world game where it's the narrative is basically what you make it. Um, there, are, it, it, and then every trailer snippet I've seen has left me with my jaw just on the fucking floor. You know, like, and, and there's, I'm glad that there's a place in games still for that wow moment when, you know, a game comes in somewhere, you know, late in the life cycle of the current console generation and just goes, look what we can do. Look at how this looks. You want to play this. You want to live in this world. And that's when I look at the Red Dead trailers, I'm just like, holy shit. I can't wait to play that game. It's so rare that does happen, where at this yeah. point, I just don't think we're ever really wowed with graphics. I'll, I'll always remember the the PS1 to PS2 transition, mm-hmm. or the PS2 to PS3, and it diminishes over time, and it's never as exciting as maybe the, the console jump before, but you have these moments of like, oh my god, look what this thing can do. And it's uh, Red Dead and Cyberpunk are the two I saw, oh where my I'm like, gosh. whoa, yeah, those two. there's there's something going on there that I haven't really seen. And like, in terms of what I'm excited for, it's, it's everything you said. And it's, it's the fact that this is the first time that we're seeing rockstar build a game yeah. from the ground up for these consoles, because grand theft auto five yeah. was just ported over and it still looks great. But what happens when they put their everything in this thing, what happens when they're like, all right, we took all this time, we're making a giant world and it's going to feel as lived in and 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 real as it, it can be I, for me like the the two concerns i have one is i i for some reason always have a little less interest in a prequel which is just a stupid personal thing where you're like i know how this story ends so the the anticipation leading up to the end isn't as fascinating to me of course there's going to be nuances and things going on where by the time you get there you're like oh i had no idea and it puts things in different context so that's fun but I've never been a like I I really loved Red Dead, but I didn't have this attachment to the characters and the story so much that I really wanted to know. But how did we get here? Like that wasn't this huge thing for me. Um, but actually, the main thing I'm maybe not concerned, more just curious about is what the hell this multiplayer looks like because I don't even know if I'll ever play it because I, I think I'll. This seems like one of those forever games where you come back and you play an hour every day after work and suddenly that's your entire year is just playing this game. Um, but Grand Theft Auto Five just recently was back on like number one on the PlayStation Network sales charts. And yeah, that's that's up there with Fortnite in terms of how is this? That's almost going on under our noses though. Like, I feel like Fortnite's in our face and something like grand theft auto is still it's like in the 80 or 90 million range in terms of sales or some crazy figure and that's of course going to change how rockstar looks at games entirely they've now created one of the most successful games as services within one of the most successful open world games of all time so what does red dead do what does that look like and how much of the resources were put into the multiplayer versus this open world yeah i'm fascinated as well Uh, also uh, simply because like the content strategy because it's a, a a period piece has to necessarily be different you can't do like a um, you know like a club event a club centric event like like they do with with gta 5 so like yeah. what is that what is that extra content how are they going to roll that out um is it going to be modes is it going to be tournaments is you know what other things are going to go on within the game uh, to make that a living, breathing world, which is, you know, um, 
essentially why GTA is still got this vibrant community years and years later. Um, I'm also interested simply because like GTA Online is, uh, you know, I've I've messed around with it a little bit, but it can also be like uh, dishearteningly like dystopic in that. You know, like you just kind of like walk out of the door of your hideout, and then someone comes along and runs you over yes. the car, and now you like start over, and that like that just keeps happening. I they've you know it's like different now, but still, that's it'll be interesting to see like how they um, how they tackle that kind of like um, moral wasteland that GTA Online can occasionally be. Yeah, it, people always joke about how Call of Duty a few weeks after a release and especially a few months just becomes like you spawn and then you get head sniped and like that's just like you're just you're suddenly just done every single time and Grand Theft Auto has taken that to the next step where you're right it's almost it's more Mad Max than Grand Theft Auto it's just pure anarchy and you if you just kind of walk into that you have no chance and it really turned me off from Grand Theft Auto Online. And I think everyone's had that dream when they're playing Grand Theft Auto and on PS2. We're like, oh my god, what if I had all my friends in here and we were doing this? And that's out there now. But it's just so opaque and so difficult to get in. So part of me is like, I mentioned before I might never play Red Dead Online. But if I am going to, I feel like I need to do it from the jump and essentially like stake my claim in that world and be able to kind of immerse myself in it before moving forward because once you start once you're late to that party it, it's really hard to catch up with everyone and figure out what the hell's going on and also a lot of that that sort of the bullet time feature which i cannot think of what dead eye um is about that game was not a great shooter red dead was an okay shooter but it was more of a open world game and you would use that that sort of feature that that sort of slow down shooting to get the job done that doesn't really work in multiplayer so what is their what is their solution for that how does that look have they fixed the shooting enough that you don't need to lean on slowing things down so it's just there's so many like little things and this is nitpicking because the game is incredible enough that almost every game is moving to early next year to avoid it um but i'm still just curious yeah, the implementation of bullet time will be uh, will be fascinating. It reminds me a lot of like how, gosh, it was like I, I want to say like Fear is one of the first games that really employed like a bullet time type feature in multiplayer, where they did exactly what you said. Like basically everybody else slowed down, you know, so like, so you felt like you sped up if you had that particular power up. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I would imagine that's how they're going to do it, uh, but can they do it in a way that uh, is is feels less bullshitty enough that you want to keep playing this game. Um, I, I can't wait for it. I can't wait. I love Red, Red Dead. Love that game. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we're looking now at so many open world games that are coming out. Like another game we have on this list is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And if we talk about Assassin's Creed Origins, like that was one of my only, probably the only Assassin's Creed game I enjoyed. It finally got a lot of the combat better in a way that I actually appreciated. It got progression in there in a way that I actually wanted to fight people and complete missions and not just skip over stuff and and hurry through the game. I mean, Assassin's Creed has been known as collect a billion feathers and all this different stuff, but there's not much it's it's not a great carrot on the stick and you were able to at least alleviate some of that by giving you levels by giving you better destiny style armor in assassin's creed so in terms of what i'm looking forward to continuing on that track is cool because finally i it's an assassin's creed game for me so i can like they're doing dialogue options now which 
is really not that novel. After like 30 games, they're like, you know what? What if the person had a choice when they're talking? Crazy, like, crazy stuff. A dialogue wheel. Holy shit. Yeah, I know. That, like, I remember he was even in like a press conference where they're like, and for the first time ever. And it's like, okay, but yeah. the first time in your series, it's been yeah, done yeah. for it's, it's like, two, it's decades, 2018, it like guys. We've been point. doing this for like 15 years. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, cool. You just figured this out. That's great. Uh, so like there's there's a lot of things to look forward to with it. But um, the main thing that doesn't bug me about it, but makes me think I might skip it over is, well, one, there's so many other games right now. But Odyssey looks so much like Origins, which is understandable because it's a year apart. But it looks like it's borrowing so much from those assets and from that established engine that I, by the end of Origins, I was like, okay, good, I'm done with this. I don't need to play another one of these for a while unless they really change something. And just adding a dialogue wheel is not enough for me to want to still sync everything and, and collect everything and go through all the exact same UI and everything. And, you know, maybe the story will be worth it. Maybe there'll be that. But this feels like a game, because Assassin's Creed is taking a year off after this, I might just play this in 2019 at this point because there's so much going on at the end of this year and I don't see enough of a reason to go back. So, I mean, are you... It seems like Red Dead's like your number one. Do you think you'll find time for Odyssey? Uh, I agree that uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey looks like an iPhone S release or something like that. Like it, <laughs> uh, which is kind of like the Ubisoft MO. Like, there's just such a factory, you know? and Like... But I also thought um, the previous Assassin's Creed Origins was good. Um, I am not particularly an Assassin's Creed fan. I like two. The rest of it, I could, I does not move me in any way. And I also, this is something we talked about on the previous version of this podcast, and I delight in talking about it again. Very underrated that Assassin's Creed has truly the most bizarre lore of any fucking game i would put it up there with the weirdest lore in any medium fit like literature television other video games movies it's the fucking strangest lore ever it's like these like immortal gods uh who shape the universe through targeted assassination and also you're a bartender who like mentally time travels like what is happening in this fucking game like high tech uh illuminati and then like you go to work at the bar also like (laughs) i don't understand it somehow surpassed metal gear in terms of just the crazy bullshit level of you need to almost read a book before you start the game just to have an idea of what's going on but even if you read that book, you'll still be like, wait, what is Lolly Lule Lo? Or what is this aspect of it? Like, what is what are the Patriots? And like low key Assassin's Creed has been out metal gearing Metal Gear. Well, Metal Gear is suddenly came back to normalcy right. with five semi normalcy. Fucking you're running around right. as Kiefer Sutherland. Um, you behind closed doors. Here's Assassin's Creed making the weirdest it's possible so lore strange. ever. With a game so that is super strange. mainstream. I, I, I'm glad you brought up Metal Gear. Metal Gear, Metal Gear. Metal Gear also, like, very strange lore, of course. Like, I'm not even sure who the bad guy is anymore. Like, am I playing as the bad guy now? Like, who? But, uh, but the difference is that game 
is the the character of that game is very much like here's a bunch of references to things that don't necessarily all fit together but uh i'm you know we're gonna put them under the under the kind of umbrella of an espionage game and it's gonna have you know references to moby dick and david bowie and then there's gonna be like a you know like a weird genetic issue and then child soldiers but also like the president is corrupt and then of course like the huge walking weapon we're still making those for some reason like it but that for some reason feels less crazy and more uh, relatable to me than than the assassin's creed lore which once you start reading about it you're like man what the fuck are you guys smoking like at least the other stuff i can understand like where you got the idea you're just like yeah throw throw a, a child soldiers thing in there that makes sense we'll just put that in there and then like you know it's, uh, you get people off the battlefield via balloon that just looks cool okay great but like the you know the shit with assassin's creed is just absolutely it's like absurd it's like the wildest shit. Yeah, I think I think Metal Gear is all about that crazy story. Like as you're playing two, the entire thing is there's these crazy cast of characters and you're shooting at rockets at this one lady and they're bouncing off of her and you're, there's this fat dude on rollerblades who's like drinking some drink or something like that. So you're already immediately shown like, hey, this game is all about the weird. Like that's what a lot of this is about and sort of the facade of normalcy and military shooters immediately just pulled away. With Assassin's Creed, it's like normal, regular AAA right. open world game where you're stabbing people. Also Illuminati. Right. Like it's a little bit of that that suddenly it just throws you for uh, this uh, 100% loop. 100% agree. But I mean, at least like I'm... I will probably play this game at some point. I just kind of wish that they stuck fully with we're going to just yeah. do this every other year because I'm not ready to get back to Assassin's Creed. It's It's been a struggle to get back into like Yakuza with uh, Kiwami 2 because I just played 6. I love that you're playing this game. It's I love that you're playing it. So good. The, the Yakuza games... <laughs> are secretly the greatest video games ever created. And it's wow. one of those, why didn't anyone tell me that I can sing karaoke and then be this weird orange mascot dude and then at the same time have a very serious moment with my child. Like, it's just, it's a little bit of everything. It's very anime. Um, but it, I just, I, I don't know how many open world games I could take at once. And Red Dead feels like a necessity. Mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed feels like something that I could skip. Which is a bit of a bummer, but uh, it's there's there's always next year. Uh, do you have any other games in this list you would like to hit? Uh, let's talk about Hitman Two, which I, uh, you know, the kind of resurgence of Hitman, I think, was one of the quiet surprises of the last gaming year. Um, I thought that yeah. they uh, took advantage of a of a kind of season structure in a way that. Um, made the game really fun to play and felt like there's always something to be kind of working towards and going on, you know, like parceling out uh, different content, different missions within maps uh, was great. The game looked great. It really looked great. Um, and it had that, th that very video gamey thing of, um, uh, you know, kind of in these, it, there's something that that's magical about a third person's kind of open world game uh, like our open map game uh, where 
you can interact with the environments and the enemies in ways that are just really surprising and funny. Like, I don't know if you've seen that. Um, there's like a gif out there of a guy who's on one of his playthroughs. He took like all the guards, he knocked them out or killed them. And then he stacked their bodies like in a fucking huge pile and then hid in the pile for another guard to come by. And then he just pops out, you know, with like the, 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 the top guard bodies kind of flipping off like, like little, like little rubber dolls. And he just, pops up and hits the other guard in the head with like a hammer or something it's so funny and just like the shit that you could do like that i some of my favorite memories in in hitman the previous hitman were just like when my mission went completely wrong and i was just like fuck it let's just do this let's just see how weird we can get um i love shit like that um so very very excited for hitman too it, and it's funny usually in a stealth game the last thing you want is for shit to go wrong because there's either right. just the automatic fail state or you are so weak that you're immediately gunned down and yeah. there's a bit of that in hitman still where still we're like one or two shots and it feels like you're immediately dead but it can get so funny where suddenly you get spotted and you start <laughs> yes. you jump off a ledge and you hold on to it and it's just enough for them to not see you it's and then you so drop funny. down to the floor below and you i don't know you karate chop a monk and you yeah. take the monk's outfit and suddenly you're a monk with a hatchet and no one's that upset it's about that so they're funny. like oh you're just a monk with a hatchet that's fine and there's just so many little moments like that that we talk about before with like metal gear the weirdness is a huge part of it yes. i think the the humor in hitman is so underrated important where underrated the, the the little dialogue moments the yes. little one-liners they throw out are so funny in the moment where you, you're killing someone or hear someone talking about something that even the moments <laughs> where a guard will be like i guess it was nothing because you said they're gone right. is funnier than any other game that's out there and it's i don't exactly so know why so know like it's unlike Assassin's Creed with Hitman, I'm ready for more because there's one I think where it's like literally a NASCAR race and you're like a pit yeah. crew member and you're Looks you're fucking great. with their wheels and stuff. I can't so wait. like they're they're going all in on let's do the craziest circumstance. Like like before in the last game, the DLC, it's like, oh, you're on a movie right. set. And there's like a giant fire breathing like animatron what that word. It's been animatron. a long day. Yes, that one. Uh, dinosaur that's suddenly breathing fire and there's just all these little things that you get to play with and oh i get to uh mess with the golf ball and now it's explosive and the person takes practice when it explodes it's beautiful it is beautiful stupid chaos and the only thing i'm worried about is it looks we you talk about an iphone 6s this very much looks like right. the S version where it's kind of running on the same everything, but just new scenarios. And that might be okay. But for people who are like, man, I really want Hitman 2. This feels more like Hitman the next season, which yeah. that might be okay. And it's, it's just different enough that it doesn't feel like it's going to clash with all the other games coming out. It feels it's unique enough that I'm just, I'm fully ready for it. Yeah. I think that the, you know, it's, it's wonderful to contrast and very illuminating to contrast two stealth games like this hitman and assassin's creed the thing that makes hitman so fun is that there's an element of voyeurism to the scenarios that they give you that is really thrilling like who hasn't wanted to sneak around a fashion show or something like that or, or thought man what if i what if i snuck into this event you know what if i did that uh and now you get to do that and and you know just like yeah. you said there is a there is a strange very video gamey humor um, to 
the playing of this game that reminds me of The Sims. It's kind of like that, um, uh, like a, uh, a juxtaposition of kind of these banal settings with like extremely serious like violence that is really funny at times. Like I remember knocking out a guard like in a hallway and then having another guard who's maybe, I don't know, 30 feet away, but in the other room looking through the open door, what's that? And as like I'm yep. carrying like a body over my shoulder, it's like, <laughs> you know, like that shit just cracks me up. And it's almost to the point where like you, I, I do occasionally worry, like, does the hitman get less good if the cars get too smart? Yeah. You know, like the the dumbness of them is part of the appeal. Like you, they can, there's a certain level of, of dumbness, uh, you know, like in that that gif where it's like a, so a, a guard is patrolling an area and comes upon literally a 40 deep pile of corpses and it's just like i'm still on patrol like what but that shit is hilarious to me yeah like i, I so i'm i am excited about it i do think that um that is a game that because it does never really uh you know anchored itself to cutting edge graphics um that they can do a lot with settings and with scenarios so i i'm not as worried with that game as i am with with assassin's creed that is always like war it's triple anus uh very 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 on its sleeve i really do hope they don't increase the intelligence of the ai if anything i hope they dumb <laughs> down a little bit more there is just something so charming yeah. about like you said pile of bodies and you could see like one bald head sticking out <laughs> and the dude being like nothing wrong yeah, with this, this situation i'm gonna go back sure. to patrolling like that's uh, there's it's really good and there's also with the 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 sort of balance between the absurd and the serious you you want to hope also that it doesn't tip too far in one direction you, you think about um mm-hmm. earth defense force that like budget mm-hmm. third person game that so many people loved as this hidden gem and then as they started to get a bigger actual budget to make those games and they're successful some of the charm goes away when it becomes less of this scrappy, hilarious yeah. budget game where you're fighting giant ants and flies and becomes a real video game. And you're like, well, now it's kind of less interesting because it's more like everything else. And I'm not saying it's exactly like that with Hitman, but you want to make sure it still keeps that balance between you're a serious assassin doing serious assassin things, but also these ridiculous circumstances where you can end up killing a dude by putting him on a toilet and like uh, drowning him in the toilet or something like that. Like I still want that. And I want the guard to just kind of look away for a second while I do that. You want enough difficulty, but not so much that the AI becomes smarter than you want them to be and kind of drowns out the humor. Um, One game that I actually am worried about similar to the assassin's creed vein is just cause four uh and on a positive note i guess what i'm looking for is what just cause three didn't give me which was interesting enough stuff to do that i want to see the end of that game just cause two was such this fun breath of fresh air and hilarious can i like attach a dude with a grappling hook and then attach him to some canister shoot the canister and he flies off into space and it's just there is an absurdity similar to Hitman in that way, but three just became within five to eight hours. You kind of saw everything, but you were only about 20% through the game. So you're like, well, I guess that's all I need. And in the end, if yeah. that's all you need and you spent you know that much money on an eight hour thing, it's not that big of a deal. But I want the complete 
craziness that just causes. I want them to try new things. I want them to have quests that put you in these ridiculous circumstances and and allow you and maybe even force you to take advantage of how insane the physics and the explosions and the everything are in that world. In the last game, I felt like a lot of that stuff was, of course, there, but it was just a little dulled throughout. So, like, Just Cause 4, I guess I'm worried about it because... I don't know if Just Cause 3 is a trend or Just Cause 3 was more of we tried to make this new engine, it worked out, here's the actual game. So like that's my real hope for this is this is the the second attempt at this and it's actually everything I've been looking for in a Just Cause game. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, we were talking about the way humor, sometimes unintentional, can affect how we enjoy a certain title, I think Just Cause is, is exactly that. I think ever since Mercenaries, you get, you remember Mercenaries? I love Mercenaries. Mercenaries was, man, first off, the commercial and the theme song for Mercenaries yes. was better than the video game Mercenaries was, but it was so close to being good. Yes. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a space for kind of like the slightly, like the double, I guess you call it double A open world game that doesn't take itself too seriously and, um, is just there for the lols, you know? And I think Just Cause is, is when it's hitting, is exactly that. And I do often wonder, you know, like, is that is that something that the devs, like, intend? Like, do they intend to make a comedy game that's like, now watch me jump off this exploding jet, you know, kind of game? Um, uh, which I think is what Just Cause does ex- extremely well. It's It's an open world game for the lols. Like, literally do the craziest shit and watch stuff blow up. Like, that's 100% what it's all. It's, like, it appeals to that, uh, you know, that that segment of open-world gamer who's like, I wanted to, I got the code for the Rhino tank in GTA uh, 3 and just went to town. Like, okay, I'll just do this over and over and over again. Um, I... I'm a fan of uh, I'm a, I'm looking forward to Just Cause as well, like I said, and and shouts to Mercenaries one and two. I thought those were good. I can't understand why they stopped making them. I thought those were good games. I I'm immediately going to just listen to that theme song a hundred times after we're done with this podcast now because that was like my favorite fucking trailer for anything ever. It's just, but again that was one of those. I just wish it was a little bit better of a video game. And also with Just Cause 4, we talked about open world fatigue. This is another open world game that's going to be available at the end of the year. It's a lot. It's going to be... I am currently playing um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. That's what it's called. What a terrible name. Uh, Yakuza and there's one other big like open world thing I'm playing. And it's just so much. I haven't even finished God of War yet because I'm a monster. And it's just that these are going to stack way too high. Um, speaking of games that take forever, can you sell me on Fallout 76 and why I should be excited for it? Uh, yes, I'm going to sell you on it because it was Bethesda coming for the uh, the shooter genre. You know, like they've done um, MMORPGs before, but now they're going to try something very different. Um, I'm intrigued because I, I kind of like have, you know, there's just certain... Uh, Certain publishers that I guess you give your implicit trust to, Rockstar for sure. Like if if they make a game, I I, I don't need to know that much about it to be like I'll, I have to. Tr- I feel like I must try this. Um, and I think Bethesda is a similar is a similar game. You know where it's like 
a similar company where there's not actually that much information out there about what the game is going to be like. Like, we know very little about it, but what I do know is very intriguing and, and I'm I'm looking to play it. Um, I'm also, I should say this, like a huge Fallout person. Like, I love Fallout. I just love the series. Um, and even though Fallout 4 fell short for me in certain aspects, like it was not, the gameplay was not as varied as 3 was. You couldn't, with 3, you I felt like you could go through the game without killing anybody if you got your you know, spoken word and charm up to, to a certain level. Like, you could really play that game in strange ways. Uh, whereas Fallout 4, it's just like, get guns, get it, get, you know, build, build bases. And that's essentially it. But the base building was super, super great. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for this game. Now, are you a Fallout person? I guess that's the thing. If you're a Fallout person, you'd be excited about it if you're not, you know. I am super not. And yeah. like that is like what I'm running into. And like because this has this survival aspect to it and is going to be a different video game. What I'm saying is what excites me about Fallout is that it's not exactly a Fallout game. Um, and like that's kind of where my interest starts, where maybe I can have other people in my party who could teach me how to Fallout and try this. I've talked before in this podcast a lot about how I get overwhelmed with open world games that are really big. And within an hour, if you're talking to everyone, you have a quest log that is a, a full novella. And you're just like, well, I don't even know where to start. I want to kind of do everything. But I also want to see the story. But then like, I'm halfway through a story mission. I'm like, oh, now I want to do a side quest. And it, I just get like immediate brain overload with that kind of stuff. And maybe Fallout 76 still goes that route to a certain extent. And I'll I'll admit that I've never given Fallout too much of a chance. I've struggled with Elder Scrolls, so I always assumed that would carry over to Fallout. So for me, like, what I'm excited about is the fact that this is not exactly a Fallout game. But then there's also, do I want to play a survival game? I just played We Happy Few, and by the end of that, I was like... I don't think I want to play a survival game at all. Like, I like the look of this, but that's about it. So how survivally is this? And you mentioned before we haven't seen much. Are, do you want to see a lot more before buying this? Or is there, like you said, a trust with Bethesda that you're going to buy it no matter what? Yeah, there's a trust. There's tr I'm going to buy it, um, even though I don't know much about it. Uh, I can't think of a s single recent title that they've put out. Um that hasn't been interesting in some way, even if I didn't like it. Like Prey was like had a, didn't love the ending, but there was a lot of really interesting things about that game. I thought the you know the Doom, their take on Doom was from a design standpoint incredibly interesting and like one of those games that like you can play for five minutes or five hours and be satisfied. Um, so I'm interested. I, I'm I'm really fascinated just from a kind of design standpoint, like. Okay, how does progression work in this? Is how do how do they tell stories? There's, so there's famously no NPCs in the game, which is uh, obviously a huge part of story. The storytelling mechanic of Fallout games and Bethesda games in general is interacting with these NPCs, finding quests, finding side quests. So how, what does that mean to, to how the story is delivered through that game? Um, really interested to see how that how that works, and then like how how customizable are the things I can build, the bases, and what is that, What? how does that work within the kind of living, breathing world that this game seems like it's trying to create? Um, 
how much like how are they going to legislate griefing like it's the same kind of like issue that gta online has run into where it was like there if certain people progress too quickly progressing you know there's just going to be like there's always like people willing to spend 40 hours out of the first 40 hours the game is out to like progress way past what anybody else can do am i at the mercy of those people when i play um really interested to see what happens very excited to play it Uh, two quick things first there's always Mm -hmm. also the concern of this is a game they haven't made a game quite like this one before they they do have the mmo experience but this is a new thing and sometimes that's really exciting because you get a fresh take on something that maybe the developers who have been in that headspace for so long wouldn't think about things this way so they can actually try new things and see different things but there's also the dark side of if they haven't failed in this area before succeeded and failed then maybe they just don't have the experience and it might be a little it might be missing certain things you just expect from a game in the genre or it might do things just not as well as other people who have already been doing this for a while have done them so like the hope is of course they've talked to people and have a really clear idea of what a survival game is and what that means for a Fallout game. How can you blend those? Second, you talked about the trust with Bethesda. Did you ever play the 2009 game Rogue Warrior? I did not. Rogue Warrior is on a short list of one of the worst games ever that is starring a guy. Let me see if I can find his name because it's really incredible. Um, Richard Marcinko, who is voiced by Mickey Rourke, and all he does is just oh, I swear at it, essentially yes. Duke Nukem level swearing, but worse. Also, that game published by Bethesda. So we're talking about the last time Bethesda did something bad. They didn't develop it, but they published it. It's Rogue Warrior. And I think everyone needs to remember that game. And also, if we're talking about watching videos after this podcast, you should watch a video of Rogue Warrior. It's amazing that thing actually came out. It is so Man, bad know, like, like did you read that story recently about um some modder like was modding alien versus predator or one of the recent alien or it might yes! alien colonial marines and realized that because there was like one integer in the code that was wrong the entire ai of the game was fucked up and nobody it's so knew nuts. it's so fucking wild so you'd really never like, like it's just like the people who make video games, I am, uh, I am constantly amazed that anything comes out at all. Like it's that hard. Any product comes out. I'm learning this really early. It's hard to make video games. It's hard. Like, there's so much that goes into it. Yes. Uh, real quick, uh, here's a couple of um, review scores for Rogue Warrior. Uh, Eurogamer gave it a zero out of ten. I've never seen that before. Nice. Uh, Game Informer, one and a half. We got a two from GameSpot, so doing pretty well there. (laughs) GameSpy, a half a star out of five. And then Play.com gave it what looks like 9% out of 100. So um, if you want a weekend activity, go find Rogue Warrior on uh, PS2 or PS3 or Xbox 360. Uh, let's, Let's do the last big one that I want to hit on this list, which is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, because oh, yeah. I feel like we've now seen 15 hours of this game only because yep. they showed so much at E3 that after a while, you're like, please stop. Like they've, I feel like they've had 17 Nintendo Directs that are just like, and now we're going to show yep. 18 different trophies you can use in this game. And you're like, why? Just give me the thing. I don't need yeah. to see this anymore. But I also... 
I used to be an insane Smash Brothers fan where I would um I would play as Jigglypuff and I would set three Donkey Kongs to level nine as a CPU and just kick all of their ass and just to like it's like weight training. You're, you're essentially yeah, like from yeah, Goku yeah, yeah. from Dragon Ball Z and everything like that. Like that's what I was doing with that game. And I used to be like thought I was the hottest shit at it. I have not played one of these games since Melee on the GameCube, yeah. and it, there's no huge reason other than I just haven't. Like I didn't have a lot of Nintendo systems until the Switch. Uh, are Same. you excited for this one? Because it feels a bit like a greatest hits, which isn't a bad thing, I guess. But are you like really looking forward to it? I am for, for the simple fact that um, Nintendo's just been crushing with the Switch and with their in-house, you know, their in-house stuff is fantastic. Like, uh, you know, Odyssey, Mario Odyssey is incredible. Breath of the Wild is one of the greatest games ever, ever. Um, so obviously smash is smash was one of those games that you're like i I don't quite understand why this isn't a launch title for the switch um so now that the switch has really revitalized nintendo's uh fortunes um in the near term um it'll be interesting to see like now here comes smash to take it to the next level and also like i'm just i I think it's going to be one of the most important game releases um, that we can remember in terms of like the fate, the 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 long term fate of Nintendo and the console. Like Smash is just beloved with a vibrant community that um, grew up organically around uh, this game. Um, one of like really when you think about it, the kind of like esport founders. You know what I mean? Like uh, of so how does Nintendo take that to the next level? How do they satisfy that like existing fan base that is really ready to shit on something that isn't up to their standards and is already like extremely like, you know, a divisive community that like argues about characters that are OP and like, you know, like, so I, I'm really excited to see what that, what that kind of rollout is and who drives who drives the the iterations of the game? Like, is it community input, um, or is it Nintendo? Nintendo's been, you know, it's like famously hard headed about like the characters they put in games and the, the way they, um, you know, the way they update their games. So, like, let's let's. Um, I'm really excited to see be, see this because I think this is the game that really um, the, where Nintendo can really put their their stamp on like esports for the next, you know, three, four, five years on the switch which i think is something that needs it yeah and i i would never call i would never call smash brothers niche in any capacity but if you think about it like it was massive on the n64 the gamecube did not sell that well it smashed it on there but it was not this widely it did not win that generation quote unquote and you look at uh the wii u for example no one bought those things that was just a weird beta for what the switch is now and still smash brothers has maintained this popularity what does it look like and who does drive that bus when it launches on a console that is just firing on all cylinders is every single game that comes out just sells a billion copies if it's good so if that comes out you're you're going to introduce a lot of new people to smash and you mentioned before the the esports nature of it and how serious people get about this shit 
how are they balancing this? Are they balancing this hoping that it's going to be the next big Evo smash thing that everyone's only going to play this and not Melee anymore? Or is the hope we want to get as many people as possible? And does that frustrate the super hardcore people? Like, it, it's crazy to talk about a game where Link is like slashing a Kirby and to have like this serious talk about it. But it, it is now becoming a important game in that capacity. So I... I do have a Switch. It's been collecting dust, which is not the Switch's fault. It's my goddamn fault. But like, I, I, this is one of those things where like, maybe it's, maybe I do want to jump back in on Smash. And now that like the Nintendo online service will be around, I can play online and get my ass kicked by twelve-year-olds who just keep playing Yoshi or something like that. It, I'm, you, I'm I, in for it. I think it, it's, it's the game that Nintendo needs because, you know, listen, some of the most heated dorm room conversations I've ever seen ha- like <laughs> happens because of smash. Like you see uh, kind people turn into fucking monsters, like over character selections and just various like things. And I think like, so that's, can Nintendo capture that heat? And can they also like, uh, can they also balance the demands of that community with the things that they want to do? Because like, like, you know, like we were saying, there's a vibrant community behind Smash, and it is surely was surely a surprise to Nintendo when it popped up. So, like, how do you satisfy those people? And um, can't wait, can't wait to find out. I, and I'm also just excited to play it. Like, I'm excited to get back into that world on on an up to date system. Yeah. Also, the Animal Crossing character. Animal Crossing is coming to the Switch. That's 2019. But here's again, Switch. Killing it. Here's like the thing with, with Animal Crossing. I feel like I, I I Stardew Valley on Switch stole its thunder. Yeah. Why would I play it? Why would I? I'd like Stardew Valley is everything I wanted. Oh, this is a this is a spicy game. take because people have this been waiting so long for fucking Animal Crossing. I love Animal Crossing. Loved Animal Crossing on the DS. Played the shit out of Animal Crossing on my DS. I just like Stardew Valley is everything. It gives me all of the stuff that Animal Crossing does. And you need more. to take this up with Chrissy so. Teigen. She's the one on Twitter who's really just fucking standing for for Animal Crossing. I still haven't played Stardew Valley because I'm actually worried it would oh consume me to a point where I would never be able to like go outside again. Like Good. That's the only reason I'm not. Play it now. Play it today. It is crack oh, don't do that to fucking me. cocaine. I am telling yeah, you, it I'm, is crack I'm, cocaine. I'm too scared. I'm just... <laughs> uh, okay, those are the main games we're covering uh, on this list also. <laughs> Uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which I'm playing yep. now. Um, it's it's a lot more Tomb Raider. There's Valkyria Chronicles 4, which mm-hmm. the embargo went up, and thank God those reviews are super high. That's uh, maybe top of my list of games I want to play this year. Um, there's, boy, there's so many things. Uh, Destiny 2 Forsaken just came out, Gone Home on Switch. There's Dark Souls Remastered. There's uh, Darksiders 3. Is there anything else, anything that stands out that you want to quickly hit before we, we wrap it up? Um, this is not for this year, but you mentioned Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Um, absolutely floored by the gameplay uh, video that was released. And it just looks like one of those games that I have always dreamed about being able to play. And I can't wait to play it. Cannot wait to play it. That game looks fucking amazing. Like, ready to take my life over in a way that a game hasn't since, you know, like Skyrim or something. I'm starting to sit here and think like, is that going to be a next gen thing? Only because it looked that good, 
where like you're sitting there and you're like, man, this looks so goddamn good that I wonder if that's going to be, if that's a next, it's almost too good, but I'm, I'm all for it. I, we could talk, you know, next year when we do a preview, we'll, we'll, we'll go fully into what cyberpunk looks like. Cause goddamn it's, it's not the Witcher, but maybe that's totally okay. Uh, Jason, where can people find you on social media, and what are you working right now on right now that you could talk about? You can find me I'm at network on Twitter. I am xx underscore underscore network underscore underscore xx on on Instagram. Same on uh, PSN and uh, on Xbox Live. I'm just playing network, but uh, working on binge mode. We're rounding into the last two books of the Harry Potter series, um, Half Blood Prince. One, we are recording. When we, so we're recording this on Sunday, as so I'm prepping Half Blood Prince number one for tomorrow, um, and then NBA Desktop, the best web series about the NBA in the world, comes back uh, in about three weeks. Award winning is the Binge Mode podcast. We've, Was it Time Magazine that's called like the best podcast of the year, or something like that? I thought you were going to say NBA Desktop is a award. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's award winning in, my dreams, in our hearts. Award- there might yeah, be yeah. an award for it. I don't know. That's right. The Time Magazine's number one podcast of 2018. Binge mode. I Check. would introduce myself at like random parties that way. I'd be like, I am a co-host on Time Magazine's <laughs> number one. Even if it's just like someone who's like, please go away. And you're like, I, I would go on dates and do that. That would be like on a Tinder profile. Yeah, yeah. So, I- Guys. Guys, print is dead, but Time Magazine recently <laughs> rated my podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, thank you for recording this again. Uh, no problem. Tech problems are a monster, but I'm happy we actually got to sit down and do this again uh, and then look forward to talking to you early next year so we can talk about all the incredible games that got pushed because of Red Dead that are coming out now at the start of 2019. Can't wait. Thank you. All right. Perfect. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.